How's it going, gentlemen? This is Scott McKay, and before we get rolling on episode number 35 of the Chick Whisperer program, I wanted to let you know about a brand new special report that I've written up for you. You can go to www.chickwhispering.com and get your hands on it right now. It's called How to Get the First Date and the Second Date. Now listen, I know how frustrating it is to want to go out with a woman, but just not really know how to get her on a date with you. And I know how much more frustrating it is to actually get her to go out on a date with you and have her say, meh, thanks, but no thanks, shortly thereafter, and you never really even know what hit you. Well, this report is going to take care of all of that for you, and it's yours free of charge. All you have to do is go to www.chickwhispering.com and get you some. And while you're there, take a look at the second page because I've added some bonuses to the Chick Whispering program. That program, as you know, was inspired by this podcast, and it will put you basically in the number one percentile worldwide of guys who understand and relate to women. And I think you can pretty much guess how much that's going to help your success ratio with the women of your choice. And now it's time for episode number 35 of the Chick Whisperer program. Today, my special guest co-host is none other than the king of Let Him Come to You, Mr. John Alanis. Enjoy, gentlemen. You're listening to the world-famous Chick Whisperer Podcast. And now, here's your host, Scott McKay. My name is Scott McKay, and you're listening to episode number 35 of the world-famous Chick Whisperer Show. Today, we've got a topic that I've been looking forward to, mostly because I've been looking forward to having this guest on, this co-host with us for quite a while now. You may know who he is. A lot of you guys are just absolutely crazy about his stuff. The thing about him is, though, even though he's incredibly successful in the world of men's dating and seduction advice, he doesn't do a whole lot of interviews. You don't get a whole lot of audio from him. So that's one reason I'm really excited to have him on. The other reason is because of how he's branded out there in the marketplace. He calls himself, or I guess guys have actually turned to calling him the king of let them come to you. And I think you guys are going to like hearing from him because I can't wait to hear more about this whole concept of having women come to you. Without anything further, John Alanis from all the way, 70 miles away in Austin, Texas, Welcome to the show, man. Hey, I'm a, it's a pleasure to be here, Scott. And I'm very familiar with your city down there in San Antonio with the high school down there. I actually was born there, so uh, I'm not that far at all. Wow, you're probably more of a San Antonian than I am. <laughs> it's been 20 years since I lived there, but uh, <laughs> I still know a few things. Right on, right on. Well, we're all in Texas. That's the important thing. And that means you guys listening are going to hear, hopefully, two straight shooters going at this subject absolutely with guns blazing. Sounds pretty Texan to me. What do you say? That sounds like a plan to me. All we need now is to have a couple Shiner box over this, and we'll be all set. Yeah. Well, we're going to start out with a voicemail, like we usually do, and this comes to us from Corey in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Got a couple of you guys calling from Pittsburgh. Always like to hear from you guys. And uh, it goes a little something like this. Hey, Scott. Really love your show. Been listening to it for a while. My name is Corey. I'm from Pittsburgh. And I recently met this girl, took her out on a date. Everything seemed to go really well. Stopped at multiple venues. It was awesome, and she just seemed to respond really positively. But ever since I got back from my brief vacation in New York, which I told her about, and I said I would contact her when I got back from that, she's been pretty non-responsive. I had a friend, a mutual friend, do some undercover investigating, and she told him that she wanted to see me again. But... My texts and calls still go unresponded. I'm not sure what to do in this case, so thank you. And I am um, looking forward to hearing something from this. Bye-bye. Okay, now you guys just heard that voicemail from Corey in Pittsburgh, and I bet you know exactly what John and I would say to it. We're going to say, all right, man, you know what? You flubbed it somehow on the first date. She was just being nice. There's some hidden detractor that we've got to get down to the bottom of with you and make sure you get over it so you don't creep women out and scare them away like that. But wait, there's more. Corey actually called me 
A few hours later, that was a late afternoon call, he called me pretty much mid-evening, left another voicemail, John, and said this. Hey, Scott. This is Corey. I actually called earlier today, but I had an update. Basically, I took this girl out. The date was amazing. I had heard from one of her friends that she said everything was perfect. I was perfect. She was basically raving about it. And then afterwards, she pretty much stopped answering my calls. And I finally actually got through to her tonight. That's why I'm calling back. She basically explained that she was nervous too nervous to answer my calls. Basically that the date was over the top and that it was almost too good to be true and that she's a very simple girl and she just wanted to get to know me and I explained that, you know, I thought I had to impress her. I thought I had to go over the top. How do you handle such a situation when a girl really is down to earth and just says she doesn't need to be impressed? How's that for a twist on this whole story? Not what you expected, right? Wow, yeah, no, not not at first glance, that's for sure. I think uh, the first thing that we guys hear, pretty close to the first thing we hear whenever we get into the seduction community stuff, is that, you know, women all think that they're princesses, they're all the choosers, not the chasers, they're rejecting guys, you're going to have to stand out from the crowd. But the irony, John, is you also hear that women don't usually have very good self-esteem. Matter of fact, you know, their self-image tends to decrease as they get more and more beautiful on the outward appearance level. So, you know, that's kind of the dichotomy that we tend to work with here as guys when it comes to really attractive women. And Corey's just come face to face with it, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And look, I mean, I think you made the point about, you know, attraction color that you had to get to the bottom of. And actually, your first instinct is absolutely right. There was a hidden attraction color, and it's just what you described. It's that looking at and viewing a woman as having more of a self-image that she does and trying to create an experience that she's just not ready for, instead of paying attention to the woman in front of you and, and recognizing the reality and going from there. So I think it's something very important to keep in mind. Yeah, no doubt. You know, you bring up an incredible point. That was almost for him an attraction killer. He went over yeah. the top trying to just wow this woman with this movie moment for a state. And don't get me wrong. She enjoyed it. As a matter of fact, I followed up with Corey. They've gone out on their second date, and she absolutely adores him. This all ended well for him. But, man, you know, we just automatically think that we've got to pull out all the stops when we date just a normal, you know, girl-next-door type of woman. And she may just be wanting to get along with you and know that you're a normal next-door type of guy. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right, and I think something that's interesting there to bring up is that, one, if you do that whole thing on the first date, whether she responds well or doesn't, it can be very dangerous to do, is that you've now set a level of expectation in the future that you cannot possibly live up to. And so as that begins to decline, then the attraction can begin to fade, as opposed to setting just a very realistic, fun, hey, you know, type of guy, there's potential for something here, and then moving on to that, well, you know, she begins to accept that your know, self-image, you know, catches up. Also, too, there was one thing that, you know, that was mentioned is that this idea of I wanted to impress her. And I've always thought that that's a very dangerous thing that guys want to do. I mean, you, there's, there's no reason to impress them. They really don't want to be impressed. They have a bunch of guys trying to impress them. They just want to hang out with a fun, normal guy that they feel attraction for and then go from there. And so this whole, I need to impress a woman, especially on the first date thing, is a very dangerous mindset and one that I tell a lot of guys that they need to get out of their heads. Yeah, I think you bring up two great points. First of all, what you just said about the guy setting the precedent for this over-the-top, probably a lot of expense-involved kind of date. He's buying her presents, taking her to expensive restaurants, dressing up in fancy clothes, and she's going to think, this is the way it is with this guy. This is the way it is all the time. And she's going to have that expectation built. I mean, you know, depending on the woman, a lot of women, you know, are kind of astute enough. They've been around the block enough, especially as they get a little bit older to know how a first date looks compared to the real world. But I agree with you a thousand percent, John. She's really looking forward to what the real world is going to hold for the two of you. She wants to get down to, hey, are we going to get along here or not? I mean, you know, the first date, trying to impress her, it's almost beside the point. And guys go and they think they've got to do it. Why? Because society said so. This is how a first date's supposed to look. Dinner and a movie. Meanwhile, the woman never even asked for this. So I think you bring up a great point. Yeah, well, the other, you know, thing to understand about that, I think there's kind of two things here, 
is that first off, if she's a beautiful woman or even just, you know, an attractive woman, is that guys that are richer, smarter, handsome, better looking, more successful than you have already done all this stuff for her. She's been there, done that, and she knows what's going to happen. And, and so what the dangerous part of that is, is that can put you immediately into that category, or he's just another guy trying to impress me, instead of the category of, oh, wow, this guy is, like, different. We, like, have a real kind of human connection, and he's just fun and down to earth, and, you know, he says with who I am. And so, the, you know, that's one of the first things I tell guys, that, geez, quit trying to impress women, because it's a very bad mental process, and it'll get you in trouble in, in a variety of areas. And so that's something you want to get at, because I don't care how successful you are. I mean, she may have dated Donald Trump or something, and, you know, you're just not going to, you know, blow her away because she's seen all that, and you will get put in the category of just another guy. And you absolutely want to avoid that category with women. Yeah, I mean, if she's dated Donald Trump before, that also means she broke up with Donald Trump. Exactly. And if she puts you into that category, she knows that once you're in that category, the thing you do is break up with guys like that. Yeah, I mean, the harder guys try to impress women, the more they leave the realm of getting across who they really are and start crossing over into, okay, here's my boat, here's my college degree, here's everything outside of who I really am that I'm just going to throw on the table to try to impress you with, all the stuff, all the accomplishments. And see, women don't think in terms of victory and having a bigger pile of toys or whatever like we tend to impress each other as guys with. What they want to know is, is there a connection? Is she going to be able to feel safe with you? Are you masculine in the way she understands it, not in the macho way? Things we talk about in this show all the time. So, oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, Corey, it's nice to know that she likes you. Just keep doing what you're doing, man. You guys just go enjoy normal life together. It's uh, getting to be wintertime up there in Pittsburgh. Go ice skating when she falls, pick her up, you know, brush her off. Have a little fun with her. Just enjoy. Have a few laughs. Get her a glass of white wine afterwards and, you know, eat something just to fill your stomachs and, you know, nothing really expensive. Kick back, watch a movie every once in a while. Don't fall into a rut of doing the same thing over and over. Be interesting. Be the guy you naturally are. It sounds like you're doing great and um, doesn't sound to me like you got anything to worry about. Yeah, I would bring up one point there, though. A lot of guys, they say, oh, my God, I feel so good around her and blah, blah, blah. And so they accelerate things really, really fast without paying attention to the woman in front of them, and also she's not paying attention to the guy and so that they can get bound up in all these feelings and make decisions that, that, quite frankly, they're probably not ready to make. And so I would tell Corey to kind of, whoa, you know, check it a bit. Great, it feels wonderful, but you've, like, been out with her two times. And sometimes women can get weirded out when you you move too fast and say, oh, well, you're my girlfriend now. Well, no, we just went out twice. And so I would caution about that. Still get to the same place, by the way. I would just caution about it. I think that's valid. I think that's a thousand percent valid. I mean, we're used to hearing about women who want to rush the relationship. Meanwhile, the guy finds this great woman and says, you know, this is the greatest woman I've met in a long time. I better lock her down. And you know what's funny about that, John, is the women who say, I can't find a guy who will commit to me. They tend to have that pattern running in their lives because they're not the kind of woman we as guys trust. They don't support the guy in their life, whatever the reason. That's not the point of the show. But the women who we want to make our girlfriend fast, we're not the first guys who ever laid that on her either. Because no. typically these women who absolutely are feminine, well-adjusted, emotionally stable, they actually like guys. They're not man bashers. They're beautiful, sweet, you know, compassionate. These women tend to get locked down quickly, potentially, by guys. They're the ones who, you know, the second date, the guy shows up with a ring. They've seen that before, too. They're the least likely to want to rope you into a relationship. So you really got to slow down, just like you're saying, John, every time you meet a woman like that. But that's the difference between hanging out in the realm of real high-quality women who are really in demand versus just going after any woman who's got a pretty face. I mean, that's a huge key difference right there in relating to those kind of women. Sure. Well, i tell you what, as always, Corey, we've got something really cool for you. But before we get to that, I want to tell all you other guys how you can leave a voicemail that will possibly get answered by one of my co-hosts and myself on this very show. What you want to do is you want to call this number, plus one if you're outside the United States, 210-362-4400. Once again, that's 210-362-4400. When you call that number, that is our dedicated voicemail line. No one will ever answer it. So you can call 3 o'clock in the morning, 
doesn't matter where you are, and all you'll get is a voicemail message. What that voicemail message is going to tell you is to leave your concise message. Make sure it's something that everybody out there listening to this show can potentially relate to. And Corey, what you're talking about certainly qualifies. Leave your name and importantly, leave your email address and make sure it's very clearly spoken. If you need to spell it out, go for it so that we can send you something cool if and when we use your voicemail on this show. Now, John here, our co-host, John Alanis, has a bunch of really, really killer content. And, Corey, you're really going to like what John's got for you. So, John, lay it on him. Oh, I've got, if he goes to the, the link that you've got posted on your website, I guess you'll give that out, is that um, I've got a couple of free reports and a video uh, that will be appropriate for him. It's a 40-minute video. It's just going to talk about how to get rid of all your attraction killers. And once you see that and you get rid of those attraction killers, you make yourself instantly more attractive to women because you quit doing the things that kill attraction. And all of a sudden, they start responding to you differently. There's also a big report uh, where to meet sexy women and what to say to women when you first meet them, which are the two impediments, you know, obviously most guys have. Plus, I got a lot more content. There's, you know, some more videos delivered later with actually me creating attraction with women. So there's just a whole pile of great stuff there that will, you know, give you just about everything you want to know about this whole uh, dating and attraction process. Wow. Did I just hear you say you're going to give that to everybody? Absolutely. If they want to go get it, they can absolutely go get it. And especially watch the Attraction Killers video. Because after they watch that, I mean, spend 40 minutes listening to me. I mean, literally that night, you'll be much more attractive to women just because of what you've gotten rid of. Wow, that's huge. So, Corey, absolutely check it out. Matter of fact, let me give everybody the link right now while we're at it. That's www.thechickwhisperer.com front slash John, J-O-H-N. We've actually never done that link before, so it's all yours, John Alanis www.thechickwhisperer.com front slash John, J-O-H-N. And Corey and everybody else, you'll be able to get your hands on that. And you know what, Corey? Even if John's giving away this killer stuff just to everybody, I'm still going to sweeten the pot just for you because you took the time to pick up the phone and call. I'm going to send you a copy of my ebook and audiobook, Deserve What You Want Also. Enjoy. And uh, that's our voicemail for today. So all that's left now, John, is to jump right into the topic, which is women approaching us and how do we deal with that and how do we relate to it? And you know, I'm just going to throw it out on the table for you. I actively coach guys not to sit around whether they're online dating or in a bar and say, okay, well, I'm just going to sit here like a bump on a log and get all the women to just love me like I'm in a beer commercial or I'm like in an ax commercial. I tell them, hey, you know what? You're going to have to man up. Women respond to leadership. Women will only respect a man who actually comes and makes the first move with them. And so you can't sit around and expect them to do the heavy lifting. After all, if you've got to get over approach anxiety and you're a man, who are we to think that some woman is going to be able to just, you know, quote unquote, man up and do that on your behalf? Same thing online. Guys get online. They build an online dating profile. And they say, man, this is going to be like shooting fish in a barrel. I'm just going to kick up my feet on my desk and watch my inbox fill up with the hot babes. And it just doesn't happen like that in the real world. And see, having talked to you, I know that's not what you're telling guys. You're not telling guys it's just going to magically happen for them, but there's a process to get these women attracted and to get them to crave talking to you so that it's just made incredibly easy for that interaction to happen. And that's what I want you to explain. What does being the king of let them come to you really mean? Oh, well, you know, Scott, when you were just describing that, you said one key, vitally important thing that really is the linchpin to all of this. And it's a word that I love because my background is Navy, and that's the word leadership. And that's a really, really important thing. Now, for the record, just because I teach guys how to get women to approach them, does not at all mean that I tell them not to approach women. In fact, I think it's, you know, once you've gotten to, there are shy guys around to get women to approach him, the next step is learning to approach women. And, and so we're absolutely on the same wavelength with that. But what you said about the word leadership is absolutely vitally important. And how I really discovered this whole women approach you thing was for me going out and just, Speaking at events, okay, some of Ronna Grand's events and the Dan Kennedy events and you know, all the internet marketing events, um, I'd go out and speak at it. Even starting back in 2001, way before I started this business, you know, I'd go up there and was you know authoritative and funny and sarcastic and naughty and you know some of the stuff I learned with leadership traits in the Navy. And what I noticed, 
every event that I went to. And these are events that people had to pay a lot of money to get to. So you have a very qualified audience in there. So we're not talking about, you know, some dips from the trailer park. I mean, we're talking about sharp, hot, sexy business women that just want to meet a real guy. After every single one of them, the hottest, sexiest woman in the audience would always come up to talk to me. And I'd see it happen. She would hang back, wait for the crowd to disperse, and then come up to introduce herself to me, blatantly give me her card, and, and ask what I was doing later on. And you know, I wasn't very bright back in the early days, so I didn't know what was really going on. And after this happened about five or six times, then I kind of figured out that this was an attraction deal. And so what happened was is that I started saying, wait a second, this is, this is an environment, this is what I later came to call an automatic attraction system that creates the circumstances under which very qualified women will come up and they will approach you and they will initiate it. And what's cool about that is, is that when you know it, you know that there's, not, that there's no fear. I mean, you can't get rejected because you're the one making the rejection decision, not her. And so it can really substantially build your self-image. And so, you know, I mapped it out from that. I said, well, if women in this, you know, in, in this environment will approach you. And I did some speaking at Toastmasters. So absolutely the same thing happened. Every time I go and speak, I mean, it's, it's 100% correlation, unless there's not a woman in the audience. If there is, it's 100% correlation. They always come up and they talk to me. And it is the dangest thing that I've ever seen. But then I started asking myself, okay, well, there, it, it happens in this environment. What are other environments that can be created that set the conditions to where women will approach you? And the reason they approach you is it comes all the way back to your keyword, leadership, because they recognize you as a leader. They recognize you as having a quality that I call personal authority that is a narcotic to women. And so how do you then begin to set up these different automatic attraction systems in different areas of your life that do get women to come up and approach you? And, of course, you do have to learn the skill of approaching women as well because there's just going to be sometimes when you see a beautiful woman, you got two minutes to act and she ain't going to come to you. But what this does is, is it builds your self-image. As more and more women approach you, hey, I'm an attractive guy. I know I'm an attractive guy because of my demonstrated ability. And it's the dangest thing. I'll walk around the grocery store in places having this self-image that I've built, and I'll see women look at me as they go by, they'll smile, they'll give an indication that they are interested in me that they do not give to other men. And so that's, you know, hey, she's shown me that she's interested. Now I can go up and talk to her. This is not a cold deal. She's already noticed that there's a spark of attraction. It's because women will pick up on that, attractive self-image that you've built that other men don't have. So this is very much a feed-forward mechanism, so to speak. The more women you get to approach you, the more women you get to approach you because of the self-image that you've built and this vibe that you begin to, to give off. And then, of course, when you see a, a woman that you want to go up and approach, you have that they're working for you. So it's a fascinating psychological process, and it's very effective. Yeah, it sounds to me a lot like confidence and social proof. I'd love to hear you tell us some of the practical ways we as guys can improve how we're carrying ourselves and improve our ability to place ourselves into those situations where we're going to be seen as having leadership. I mean, we can have all the leadership in the world, but if we have no chance to actually demonstrate it, then it's not going to work for us, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I take, for instance, just what I would call a guy, let's say, has a corporate job or something like that. And, and let's set aside of whether or not you should date women in the workplace or maybe you shouldn't. Um, let's say that instead of waiting to be selected as a project manager or something like that, that, that you, you know, you go and you say, hey, I'm going to be the team leader. I'm going to take charge here. And you also do this stuff. I mean, you're not talking about a stale dry boring leader. When you're in front of a group like that, I mean, you've got to be naughty, funny, playful, sarcastic. You've got to look them right in the eye and hold eye contact just a little bit. Like you have to exhibit attractive behavior when, when you're in this. But also, it's a very interesting thing. You know, we've got a good friend of ours, Brad Jackson, who teaches, you know, guys how to attract women with magic. And really what he does is he teaches guys how to meet women in a difficult environment, which is bars and clubs. And I'm not as familiar with Brad's system as he is, but, you know, the way he explained it to me, and I think it's really cool, is that it makes yourself an instant celebrity because they see that in that environment, hey, this guy's doing cool things, and it's not necessary to meet women, and men are responding to him. So it creates an environment where you're perceived as a celebrity and as a leader. Now, once women make that mental shift that you're in that category, then they respond to you as they respond to other guys who are in that category. So it's a combination between not just confidence, but celebrity confidence. 
And because if you look at, I mean, how do women respond to celebrity? How do they respond to, to rock stars? I mean, you know, back in the 80s, there was Paulina Poroskova and the lead singer of the car, Rick Ocasek, who is like the ugliest man in the world and don't got much of a personality either. But he's a celebrity. And so a lot of what this is is putting yourself in situations where the frame has been shifted from you're just a normal guy to celebrity. Because if you put me up on stage and I'm naughty, funny, and sarcastic and all that stuff, and there's another guy in the audience who's better and more confident than me, they're still going to choose me because now they view me in the category of celebrity and he's not. Um, so a lot of this is asking yourself, how do you create the conditions in any situation where you know you are perceived as a celebrity? Another quick example that I give that's really interesting is because this is a thought process. Is if I'm sitting in the audience at a particular event, or maybe I'm sitting in a bar, and but I'm sitting in an audience and I'm just perceived as just another guy, then all of a sudden the host could be the bar owner or something like that, or somebody that's well known says, "Hey." We've got somebody in the audience who you really need to pay attention to. It's this guy, John Alanis. And, John, why don't you stand up and, hey, you need to go talk to John. Okay, now I've gone from just another guy to somebody who's been endorsed by a celebrity, and so therefore I'm treated as such. And one minute before that happens, how one respond to me is he's just another guy. One minute after that happens is, oh, I need to go talk to this guy because he's a celebrity. And so it very much is a thought process like that, and seeing how you can engineer that frame to go from the just another guy category to, oh, he's a celebrity category, so that women begin to behave towards you as they do toward celebrity and leader instead of just a normal guy. Amazing. Yeah. You mentioned Brad Jackson. He's going to be a guest on this show in the very near future. And he and I actually just did an interview. Actually, he interviewed me for an upcoming program of his on the subject of karaoke game. And we talked a lot about the same things you're mentioning right now, how you are literally a rock star in the eyes of women just for getting up there. I mean, the confidence it takes to get in front of everybody. Then if you can nail a song or two, it's just absolutely like magic. And I'm thinking of a couple other situations. If you're on Facebook or you're on Twitter and you can increase your friend count higher than most people in your general area through, you know, whatever means necessary, and you can show some pictures of you or even some videos of you engaging in the kinds of things that you just talked about. In other words, you can basically capture lightning in a bottle and make it portable and literally put it on your Facebook profile and uncork it anytime you want when you're meeting women on Facebook or Twitter, etc. Oh, it's a very good point. Because with the advent of online video, it allows you to do this from a leverage point. And so, for example, I went and there's an internet marketing group that meets here in Austin, Amen, and there's a guy that isn't bothering me to come speak for a while. So I went and spoke at it, and you know, it was it was great. So I got the video. Well, now that's a video of me speaking to a group of people as an authority with them responding to me. That literally, I can put on Facebook, I can put on YouTube, I can put on everything, and and any woman that I would meet from anything, say, hey, here's a really cool video of me. Go check it out. And so from a leverage point of view, you have 100 women looking at the same time that, you know, we're now going through that same process and viewing you as that. And so the leverage that you get out of that is tremendous. Do it one time, but you can use it forever. And, and online video really has brought that to the forefront. Yeah. You know, you talked about going to places like the grocery store, and I'm assuming any kind of quote-unquote day game situation. You could be at a sports event. You could be at an airport. You could be on the airplane. How can you establish this frame that you're talking about of appearing to at least have this air of celebrity? There's just something about this guy anywhere you go like that. I mean, every place you go is an open mic night. So how does a guy do that? Well, one of the ways to do it is, is, let's say if you're with a group of friends that are doing that, is, is all of a sudden you're on the plane, and you're the guy that's with them, you're telling the jokes, you're getting the guys to laugh, you know, you're giving them the business a little bit, you're saying naughty, funny things that nice guys don't say, they're responding to it. Well, they hear that all of a sudden. They're like, well, this guy is obviously this leader in this thing because these guys are responding to him. So, I mean, that is certainly one of the ways to do that. You know, and if you're one-on-one -on -one with a woman, again, you got to get back to your whole, you got to go man up and approach her. But, you know, still, from the very beginning, you know that you're a guy that's attracted to women and that you can actually go up. And from the beginning, it really has to do with your intent, is that if I see a woman, I'll look her right in the eye and I'll kind of smile, that little smirk, what I call a naughty boy smile, and she'll smile back. 
And then I can go, well, she's indicated she's interested in me, and I can say something like, well, what are you smiling about? And then kind of get in there and laugh and tease and start the attraction process from a dominant leadership point of view that I saw her, I smiled at her, but I also have in the back of my mind the process for that, hey, listen, I'm, yeah, she's attractive, but I'm evaluating her, I'm choosing her, she's not choosing me. And women pick up on that very quickly because they're like, well, wait a second, this is completely different from any interaction I've ever had with a guy who's trying to impress me, kiss my butt, tell me how beautiful he is, and ask him to have a boyfriend and all this garbage. This guy's different. I must get to know him. So it's a real important thing, avoiding these categories of falling into just another guy are just as important as getting into the categories of the attractive man, the celebrity, or whatever, because women respond to men based on the categories that they put him into. And any man who's ever been friended by a woman knows that once you get into a bad category, you ain't coming out. <laughs> I don't care how good you are. No joke. No joke. And we've talked about that at length in this program in previous episodes, for sure. You know, I'm coming to the conclusion that women coming to you as a guy doesn't necessarily mean they're going to come to you like a guy. They're not going to tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, I noticed you from across the room. My name is Debbie. What's yours? They're going to do it in that inimitably female way, that feminine way where they're just sending you the signals. They're giving you these little hints that they want you to man up and approach them. And that really is, in a sense, them coming to you, them them trying to get your attention, them kind of pawing at you from afar saying, hey, will you just come up and start the conversation? I'm ready. I want this conversation to happen. How does a guy read those signals effectively? Because that's something guys struggle with everywhere. Right. Well, a couple of things about that. Um, first off, you will definitely see that as they'll start giving you, you know, signals when you know that they're attracted. Uh, I will tell you though that sometimes they will be very, very blatant if you're really, really good. And there's also like other women around there. I mean, I've had women come up and just, here's my business card. You need to call me. Well, okay, you're right. I need to call you. Um, but coming back to recognizing the attraction signals is that first off, what I always tell guys is you have got to get the process out of your head of wondering, oh, does she like me? I wonder, does she like me? Does she like me? And it's like, no, no. If, if you're a leader, if you're an authoritative man, if you're an attractive guy, what you need to do is, is you presume she's attracted to you. Of course she's attracted. You're an attractive guy. And so what you're going through there is you're actually triggering some of those signals on your own. So what I call them is like guideposts. You have to look for these guideposts that are coming up. And so if a woman's coming up, if she's hanging around or waiting or she's even come up to talk to you, you can see that she's looking in the eyes, she's smiling a little bit, she's laughing at the funny things that you say. You know, a little further on in the interaction, she'll reciprocate touch. And as long as she's engaged and you're beginning to use innuendo in there and she's responding to you differently as she does all the other guys around her, then you really know that you're kind of on down the road here. Now, you can still screw it up by turning into a nice guy or letting some of those attraction killing behaviors, you know, come up. I've proved it many times after learning this stuff. But you're pretty far on down the line when you're getting those signals. And so pretty much as long as she's engaged, you have the opportunity to create the attraction, which means that you lead and she follows. And you have to think about it that way. And now it's you're charged with taking that little spark and turning it into a fire of attraction because she's looking to you to do that. And so that's the mental process you have to adopt. Not does she like me, but, you know, how can I create the attraction? That's the shift. Yeah, you mentioned that word leadership again. It's leadership from the minute you start interacting with her. If you're saying, does she like me? Does she like me not? That says you don't even have confidence in yourself to believe you're likable. So she's going to follow that lead. Meanwhile, if you believe, of course she likes me, then she's going to go, well, he's right. Of course I like him. And I just think that's magic. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. A lot of guys are not comfortable with the idea of leadership and leading and stuff, but that's just what women are biologically programmed to do. And you've got to understand that. And that's part of masculinity as women understand it. I mean, that's a great example right there. I want to ask you something because we're talking about choosing versus chasing. And I want guys to be able to know that the woman that is their choice is the woman that they can get to come to him. They're not just sitting there sorting through the women who just by happenstance are giving him the signals. I want you to tell us very clearly. You know, give us examples if you can. How can you get a woman you want, that one woman in the room you'd most like to meet, to be the woman who's giving you those signals? The way that you do that, 
Um, and this is very much a step-by-step process, is that as you're in the environment where you're on stage to other people, wherever that is, whether it's a bar, whether it's a speaking at Toastmasters, whether it's karaoke or comedy or anything like that where you put yourself in a situation, if you see an attractive woman there, because I always get up there, I'm looking. And so what I start to do is, is I maintain eye contact with her just a little bit more. And when I tell a joke, do something that's sarcastic and funny, I look and transmit right to her just for a second, and then I look away. And I'm looking at her reactions, and if she laughs a little longer than everyone else, if she asks a question a little longer than anyone else, if she's laughing and looking down a little more than anyone else, then you know that that's the one that is going to, you know, either come to you or wait for you to come talk to her afterward. And they can get to the point where they're, pretty blatant about it, but you can see and you can tell right from the beginning. Because the other thing is those women are thinking about is if there's another attractive one in the room, it's like, oh, my God, I'm in a competitive situation here. And when women compete with each other, they can get pretty darn brutal. And so they'll start giving you off really strong signals. But the way that you want to trigger that in that environment is by picking out the one that you like and then just favoring her just a bit over everyone else. And then the mistake is, is the whole time you spend looking at her, except, well, then maybe this guy's a little bit desperate. You create the attraction a bit, but then you break it off and you talk to everyone else, but then you come back to it a little bit more. And so it really creates this very powerful feeling of attraction that afterwards she's, she feels chem- chemistry is the word that women use. Oh, my God, if it's a chemistry with this guy, I need to talk to him. So that's the process in any environment you know, where you've had an opportunity to, you know, achieve even a small celebrity status from bars and clubs to karaoke to speaking at postmasters seminars or wherever. Yeah, first of all, I love what you said about the balance between doing this just a little bit more than you are for everybody else, that eye contact, that bit of attention that you're giving her, just almost imperceptibly more and at the right moments versus going overboard and kind of like every time you do something you think was really cool of you to do, looking at her and nodding, going, did you like that? Did you like that? I mean, that would be horrible. That's over the top. So there is absolutely a balance that you got to get a feel for here. You know, I can vouch for everything you said. I had a very specific experience in my life flash before my eyes while you were saying this. One time when I was much younger, I was a counselor at a camp in Arizona. You know, you have the kids who come to camp and then you have people who are your peers age-wise who come to be counselors with you. And uh, I was one of the guys playing guitar in front of the whole group for the whole weekend, which of course gave me immense social status, you know, a crazy amount of social proof being a guitar player. And I unconsciously, now that I think about it, I did exactly what you're talking about because there was this one gal who came as a counselor from a different part of the state and man she just did it for me she was the hottest thing i've ever seen and just sweet and feminine i said man someday there's gonna be some lucky guy who even marries her i mean she was just amazing so it was all i could do while i was standing up there playing guitar not to look at her so of course every time i looked at her i would look at her and she'd be looking up and she'd give me a little smile and i was like you know does she like me or does she not But just because I was thinking about her and trying not to look at her gave me what I think was probably that balance of looking at her just enough and showing just a little bit of, you know, interest versus disinterest in her eyes, which was probably a little bit intriguing. So the end of the weekend comes and it's time for everybody to give their feedback. We want to hear from the kids what they thought. So they're basically going to split up everybody into two meetings, right? In two separate parts of camp. One of them is going to be everybody who liked what's going on, which of course is going to be the cool place to be because that's how they're billing it. And of course, everybody's going to give all their glowing feedback and it's going to be a big group hug. And some other counselor was in charge of that. And then there was going to be the part that was damage control. You guys hated it. We want to know everything that was bad so we can do better next time, how we can help you think better about this weekend, et cetera. And of course, I was the guy that knew how to talk and knew how to assuage people. So they put me in that role. And so what they did at the counselors meeting where, you know, it was probably, I don't know, five to one counselors, the kids. So there were probably 25 total counselors, 125, 150 kids, right? So 25 counselors in the room and there's like, okay, who wants to help uh, this counselor kind of in a backup role for, you know, this feel good meeting about how great camp was. And of course, five or six people volunteered and they only took one to be the backup person. So then next is my turn. Who wants to help Scott, you know, be a part of this meeting where we handle the damage control? And of course, everybody wants to go and hear all the glowing stuff. They don't even want to be saddled with being in my meeting with me. Well, after about five seconds, this one gal who I'd had my eye on 
just kind of sheepishly raises her hand and looks at me and smiles. You know, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, cool, score. She actually wants to be doing what I do. It didn't occur to me right away. She wants to hang out with me. She wants to feel like she and I are partners. She wants to fantasize a little about being my partner in front of this group, handling the damage control and working through a little crisis together. She's literally starting to play house with me right before my very eyes. And of course, I was very happy to see her hand go up. I was you know, trying to contain myself. I remember myself keeping composure. But you know, when we got into that meeting together, she jumped up on the stage with me and just sat hip to hip right next to me. Okay, let's have our meeting. And she was just smiling and nodding in approval and backing up everything I said. And just she was totally supportive of me that whole meeting. She was literally playing girlfriend with me in that meeting. And of course, that was to my utter delight. And finally, the light bulb went off and we traded numbers and it actually turned out pretty well. But man, that was a textbook example, real life, from my own personal experience, of exactly how what you're talking about works step by step. And you know what, John? I'm a fan. I'm a believer. I think what you're telling guys is absolutely a thousand percent true. And I think really frankly, you're you're the only guy out there teaching it. You know? Well, I've been lucky to be in so I appreciate that. I've been lucky to be in enough, you know, situations to like see that. But one thing that you mentioned about that there that I do want to bring to guys' attention that the process you just described you've heard this before, I'm sure. Men are like switches, focus on moth. Women are like turning up the volume. But you turn it up a little bit, you turn it off a little bit, you turn it up a little bit more, you turn it back a little bit. And so if you just think about this whole thing as one big volume knob that you have your hand on, that you turn it up, you turn it down, you're in control of it, that's when you can really, really, really put that process to work that you just described for you at a high level. You know, I want to talk a little bit more about having your hand on the volume knob. After you've gotten her attracted to you and you're on a date with her and you're thinking about, okay, how can I get her interested in me at the sexual level and in a way that she's going to be amenable to me kissing her for the first time, et cetera, et cetera, because I know you've got things to say about that. And I want to address it from this particular angle to at least kick off the discussion. And that's there's a lot of talk about escalating Kino. The first thing you need to do when you meet a woman is touch her. And then you've got to make sure that instead of just touching her in the hand, you touch her on the shoulder because the point is to kind of get her physical with you as quickly as possible. And of course, I tend to say to guys, if you're just a little bit less needy about that and you telegraph a little bit less that you know, you're know you wanting to get in her pants by putting your hands all over her, and instead you focus on making her feel comfortable in your presence, even as you're ramping up your own masculinity, then what's going to happen is she's going to be so amped up. She's going to be so turned on by your very presence that she's not going to be able to keep her hands off of you. And that's kind of like the closest corollary I can think of in my teaching John, to yours in the realm of let them come to you. So I'm interested in your take on how you get women to come to you after you're on a date with them like that. Oh, it's an absolute one. I mean, I couldn't agree more with what you just said. And the thing that, a couple of things here. The first one that you mentioned about these guys that want to get Kino in touch with women and this and that, the problem that what happens there is, is because you've got this script in your head and it's not congruently 100% you, is that when you do that, she picks up on the fact that there is a cognitive dissonance in you, a doubt. And that amplifies through her, and that can actually kill the attraction. I mean, this has got to be 100% congruent, and it's got to flow, because that's what women are looking for. And so you have to keep that in your mind, of, because if you start asking, should I touch her here, should I touch her? Well, then she picks up on that, that you're actually acting and trying to script this, instead of flowing and enjoying the moment. I mean, women are very much about enjoying the moment. And you've heard that women say, there's the phrase, sweep me off my feet. Well, that is an increase in intensity in the moment as the moments go by. It's a very natural with no breaks, with no schisms, and it's very smooth. To get to your question about what it is that they should do once the woman's approached them and they're on a date, it's a vitally important question because you can still screw this up royally. And the way that you can is, and boy, I learned this like a million times, so I've like proven this and underlined it. And I actually had one woman say something to me. I'll tell you about that in just a minute. But you have to be the guy you appeared to be when she approached you. If you are less than that, you are done. 
and I had a woman say this back to me in I was the early 2000s, the Toastmasters and stuff. And yeah, I didn't know that much then, but you know, she attracted, invited me over her house, and you know, I didn't, I didn't know how to move and all this stuff. She told me, she said, you know what? I like you better from the stage than I do in person. So I said, you know what? The light just went on. I get it. I got it. And so the first thing that you have to do on the date is you have to be the guy that she approached initially. So you have to continue to do the things that you were doing that created the attraction in the first place. If you're anything less than that, you will kill the attraction. And so you can't shift over to, oh, I'm going to be the nice, sweet guy and give her flowers and all this stuff. You have to be the celebrity that she expects. I'm not saying you'll dress trying to press her on this stuff. You just have to continue the interaction at the same level and gradually begin to turn it up. And so you're getting to be a little more sarcastic, you're funny, teasing. And the most important thing you're beginning to do is is you're beginning to use sexual innuendo. So if I'm talking in a you know a public environment, I'll use very light innuendo to kind of plant the seeds of, hey, wait a second, I mean this guy's got a lot of stuff that, that he can't reveal in public. Ooh, I wonder what he's like in private. And so what you want to do is as you you get comfortable with each other again because you have to be comfortable first. As you get comfortable again by being the same guy that you were, then you start adding in the innuendo. Light it first, increasing it just a little bit, backing it off, pulling it, teasing her, you know, that type of stuff. And that lends itself to touch. And so that sometimes when a woman laughs, I'm like, geez, you know, I feel like touching her. You know, I'll touch her or I'll grab her hand or something like that. It's just very smooth. And I'll squeeze it and she'll squeeze it back. And so it begins this kind of back-and-forth process. Uh, oh, I'm going to just touch her on the knee. Oh, she's going to touch me back on the knee. I'm going to touch your knee a little bit and squeeze it a little bit. Oh, she's going to do that to me. And so it's kind of this mutual teasing back-and-forth as you're turning the volume up that naturally leads to you kissing her. And a lot of guys have a, heck, I used to have it. They have this break point in their head that, oh, my God, I'm afraid to kiss a woman or she slaps me and doesn't like me or gets sexual harassment while I say something like that. Is it look, women like to be kissed by men. I mean, they do. If you're to that point and you're going to all that stuff, she wants you to powerfully and passionately kiss her. I mean, go back and look at all the old movies before everybody got concerned with, you know, goofy stuff in the 70s. And Go back and look at the movies in the 60s and the 40s and the 50s, you know, with all those old actors and how men, you know, passionately kiss. Well, that's what women still want and respond to. And so when you get to that point as you turn up the volume, she expects you to do that, and then it becomes not always at the time to kiss her. It just becomes a natural outcome of the interaction that you've been having from the very beginning. And it flows very smoothly, and it's a lot of fun for both of you. Tension, this trepidation, this wondering, it's really a lot of fun because you're both having fun together, moving toward this outcome that you both want. And that's the best way I can describe it. Sounds to me like you completely get it. Listen, John, we're running out of time. This conversation has exceeded expectation. This has been absolutely outstanding. And I know the guys are getting just a ton out of this. And John, I want to give the guys who are listening the benefit of hearing a little bit more about your program on how to get women to approach them. You talked about the free reports that you're generously giving everybody, but I want you to talk a little bit more about the core program just very briefly. Well, I've got the several programs there, and that if they go uh, claim those free reports and watch the videos and stuff, that they'll get an opportunity to take advantage of just about all, everything that I have there. But you know, my first core program that I recommend that guys start is one called Secrets of Natural Attraction, where it's kind of the fundamentals of this: how to get women to approach you, how to think about how women view you, how to develop the skills of attraction, how to get rid of your attraction killers, how to insert yourself into environments you know, that lend themselves to women coming to you. I call them automatic attraction systems. And so it's my secret to natural attraction product that they'll get an opportunity to take advantage of if they want. I have some more advanced trainings um, that really get into the deep psychological stuff of this, give you a lot of power and control over all your outcomes with women, my ultimate unlimited lifetime system, which they'll get an opportunity to uh, take advantage of too. And then, you know, a few days down the road, they'll also get notified of my ultimate attraction immersion event, the only live event that I've done where I conducted a training um, to really teach this stuff from top to bottom. I DVD'd it. We had six sexy women there. It was a very, very good event here in Austin, Texas. And so if they just go in and start with all the great free stuff, they'll get an opportunity to take advantage of all those trainings. And there's some really good stuff there that what you and I are both teaching is that we're giving men power, control, and predictability in an area where most men have none. Most men just let stuff happen. We teach men how to make stuff happen for them. 
and if you go in and, and start it, you know, with the free material, you'll get an opportunity to take advantage of all those uh, trainings. Sounds great to me. Guys, you know, I've never said this before, but I'm going to tell you, if for no other reason, go to www.thechickwhisperer.com front slash John, J-O-H-N, and just look at this guy's websites. When you order something from John, it is absolutely the smoothest, silkiest deal like butter you've ever seen in your entire life. This guy's got his homework completely done. So if you're used to buying, you know, ebooks or programs from some of the guys out there who are teaching dating and seduction and how to get better with women, even how to be a better man, and you're used to kind of it being a little sloppy through the order process, I'll tell you what, this guy's whole process is smooth. It's just clean. So I completely recommend going to www.thechickwhisperer.com John and seeing what John Alanis has to offer. Ladies and gentlemen, he's the king of Let Them Come to You. This has been an incredible show. John, thanks for hanging out with us today, man. Hey, my pleasure. And uh, hey, it's been a great call and I'm happy to come back anytime. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. We'll have to have you come back and talk to the Power Sessions guys. And uh, by the way, Power Sessions guys, you heard that call that I had with Brad Jackson on karaoke. That was sent to you a little while ago. We've got some more cool stuff for you. I told you about the latest offer in the special report that I have for you at the beginning of the show on how to turn first dates into second dates. Guys, you know that sometimes it's just really hard to even get to the first date. And then when you get on the first date with a woman, Man, you got to make sure you get to the second date or else it's even more frustrating than if she wouldn't have gone out with you at all. Go to www.chickwhispering.com. Get on my newsletter. Get that special report. You'll get everything you need in eight minutes or less. And uh, take a look at the Chick Whispering program also because I've added some special sweet bonuses to the mix. Guys, this has been a great show, as almost always it is. Until I talk to you on episode number 36, this is Scott McKay from XMY Communications. Be good out there. The Chick Whisperer Podcast is copyright 2009 by X and Y Communications. All rights reserved worldwide. Be sure to sign up for the X and Y Communications newsletter at www.thechickwhisperer.com. This is Ed Roy Odom speaking for The Chick Whisperer Podcast.